presence. We thank you that we are gathered in the name that opens heaven. We thank you that at the name of Jesus we are here that prayers, petitions, and intercessions, supplications, thanksgiving be heard before your throne. We come together in unity of the spirit, in unity of the name and the blood of Jesus the Christ. We praise you for an open heaven. The miracles begin to happen. Yes. The signs and wonders happen. Yes. That your word is confirmed even now where each and every one is seeking you. Yes. That chains and shackles be destroyed because of the anointing of your presence. There's fullness of joy. There's a peace that passes understanding. We gathered in the presence of our Father and of our King. We proclaim you king over our life. We praise you for an open heaven. As you remain standing and as they continue to play quietly, today is the national day of prayer for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel. Last year, 175,000 nations participated on this day, which included their underground churches, and seven Muslim nations that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are believing for much more than that today. But I want you to know the Bible says in Genesis 12, 3, I will bless them that bless thee. Deuteronomy 28, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you hearken to the voice of the Lord. I want to declare these blessings over you as we get ready to bless Israel because we are not the needy right now that's about to bless Israel but we are the highly favored and the blessed priests and kings of the Most High God to bless Israel the Word of God says that when you bless Israel wherever you are and whatever you do your life will be blessed do you receive that your children your work and your labors will increase and be blessed. Your savings and your possessions will be blessed. You will be blessed going out and you will be blessed coming in. Your enemies will fail if they oppose you. You will be under the command to receive the blessings of God. Your material possessions and all you need will be blessed. Where you live shall be blessed. And you will be holy, set apart unto the Lord. The world will know and fear you. God shall bless your children, your goods, and your labor. You will receive his good treasures, and he will bless the work of your hands. You will lend and not borrow, and God will cancel your debt. You will be in control because you will be the head and not the tail. Now, if you receive that, give the Lord a big praise and thanksgiving. I ask you, as priest of the Lord and the blessed of the mighty King, if you just bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want you to concentrate on that little nation Israel, the place where our Messiah was born, and the place where his feet will touch when he returns. I want you just to think of Israel as we come together on this national day of prayer for Jerusalem and Israel praying for the peace that we know according to the apostle Paul in Philippians that the devil comes to sow panic 
in the minds and the lives of people. But you have a peace that surpasses understanding. And we come before you today, Father. And on behalf of the widows and the orphans and the widowers and the homeless of Israel, we pray. We ask that your hand be upon those who have lost loved ones tragically. We ask you to be the peace of their heart and their mind and that through this pain they shall come to know the true Messiah who was given that they may live. We pray for the leadership of Israel at this time where there's much pressure and difficult decisions. Very difficult time for the prime minister and cabinet that they seem like they stand alone but yet Israel even though they felt this time before time and time again before they always believe that Yahweh stands with them and we the children of God stand with them in prayer and intercession we pray for the leadership we pray for restoration of Israel we pray that Israel will come to know the Messiah King and Lord Jesus Christ and accept him we pray for the youth of Israel we pray for those who have not made it home yet that they shall be home in Israel once again. We pray for the finances and the blessings of Israel. We pray for divine protection that you surround them as a shield. We pray for mercy and truth to be within Israel and the walls of Jerusalem. We pray for unity and we pray for restoration between the Jew and the Christian and the Jew and the Muslim. We pray that there will be a uniting in Israel to stand. We pray for the Jews and the young Jews in the colleges here in the United States and abroad. That they will be converted and they shall come to know Christ. And they shall serve Him as Lord and Savior and bring revival unto their people. We pray that you raise up the spirit of prophets of Elijah and Elisha. That they may go forth once again and awaken the people once again to God. We come against the spirit of atheism that has attacked the Jewish people. That they don't even, no longer even believe in Yahweh. Even though your name is written in the mountains of Jerusalem. We pray for peace and we pray shalom with our brothers and our sisters. And we join together today with millions. Praying that your hand, Jehovah, your right hand be extended. And that you have mercy. Though they have rejected you, you have not rejected them. Your blood was spilt upon that ground. You destroyed death coming out of the, that ground. And we ask you right now, the miracles, signs and wonders and manifestations, visions and dreams go throughout the whole Middle East and spread throughout the world. That the world may know that you are king and you are coming again. And we will walk on those streets of gold, that place that has no more pain and no more sorrow, that we have an eternity promised to us. Through Jesus, our Lord and our King. And we decree you, Lord, over Israel and Jerusalem. We decree that you are Lord over the United States of America. We declare your Lordship and it's in you, God, we trust. It's in you, God, we trust. We believe in your commandments. We believe in your righteousness. Let the church arise. Oh, let the church of Jesus Christ arise through the world. And may the world know that you are Lord and you are alive and you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Give the Lord praise for it. Jesus. 
Give the name of Jesus praise this morning. Give him all the praise. Come on, give Jesus all the praise with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Oh, come and let us submit to the Lordship of His holiness. We submit to your presence, Holy Spirit. We submit to the Lordship of your presence. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Turn to that person next to you. Shake their hand, hug their neck, tell them, I love you in the name of Jesus. I love you in the name of the Lord. I love you in the name of Jesus. 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 King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, the Lord bless you. We're so thankful that you've come in fellowship with us this morning and you appreciate you being here as we come and gather together as the body. How many of you know you're among family, amen? You're among family, we love you, we thank you for coming here. We bless you in the precious name of Jesus. We know that God is working and doing things in our midst and on your behalf. He wants to give you a peace and give you a hope and Fill your life with things and restore you wherever you may have fallen, wherever you may need. We bless you this morning. I'm not going to take a little time with offering. We want to receive communion, and I want to give you a word the Lord put in my heart, and I just believe that you will be blessed. We bless you. I do want to do comment. I know that a number of singles were upset. The message last week made them feel lonely. But a few of them, but... Just want you to know I did you a favor. You have a CD you can buy. So when you get married, you tell that man and that woman you're going to marry to listen to that CD about 20 times, and you'll end up having a perfect man, a perfect woman. So there was a trick behind that. So don't feel that you were all alone. No, we're trying to prepare your mate and prepare you too. Amen. So uh, the Word of God's never in void. Hallelujah. And so what I'll do is I'll, I'll preach a message just for singles. Maybe that'll really help some marriages. I don't want to go there again. Hallelujah. I just want to share with you quickly. I, I prayed it today, Philippians 4, 7, that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. The enemy comes in. He tries to stir us up into a panic mode. He tries to make us live in code orange and code red, code yellow all the time. But we don't live according to the panic mode of the enemy. We live according to the prince of peace. And there's an inward peace that only God can give that wants to stir and rescue your minds and your hearts. And that's why it says uh, to keep your heart and mind, it means to put it, put it behind a gate and surround it with the presence of God. But that word there means, it passes, it means his peace is superior. In the Greek, this is the definition. His peace is superior, is dominant, and is incomparable and cannot be matched equal with any other emotion or feeling. That's the peace of God. His peace is so superior, is held high above all other types of peace. It transcends, outdoes, surpasses, rises above, goes beyond, and is over the top. That's the word, surpass. 
It's a peace that cannot be reproduced. And it's a peace that cannot be outdone. And according to Greek, it cannot be outshined. It's brighter than the horizon. The word mind means ability to think, reason, understand, and is the seat of all human emotions. It's condition of the mind. By your life is conditioned by the condition of your mind. And he's saying, let my peace be the condition of your life so then, and the mind so that your life will have the condition of my peace. Is to close the door to the devil and live under the open heaven of Jesus Christ. I just want to speak that over to you. Speak that over you. Speak that into your situation. That no matter what comes against you to tear you down, his peace is stronger. And it will not be outdone. And it will not, it will not I'll be outshined by anything that would try to cause you to panic. The enemy will have his report, but we will believe the report of the Lord. And there's a peace, and it works. And he's given you the seed of it, that it may grow and take over and control and even influence your life and your decisions. So bless you with that peace this morning in Jesus' name. Where the ushers come as we get ready to receive this morning's offerings and tithe. Thank you so much for sowing towards our building. We're belie- How many believing we've got that thing paid off so we can take care of the first and go towards building the second? I want to give you a chance. Write your check. I want to give them time to write their checks. Make it up to Word of Faith. We're well, not Word of Faith. Word of Grace. Word of Faith, that's the missions organization we belong to. I'm still a missionary. Word of... You, you, oh, Crest Christian Faith. Okay. There's so many ministries we belong to. Oh, that's in Freeport. No, no. Don't, not, do not write your checks to Shreveport. They got their own money. Hallelujah. You can write out your checks to Word of Grace, W-O-G. And if you give it cash, you got your envelopes. Please make sure you take the insert of the bulletin. Pray over it. Believe with us that we're debt-free so we can build a ministry for the children, for the hungry, for the needy, for the young people, and for y'all too. And Father, we just thank you for our peace right now. Shalom, shalom. That is not built or not man-made. It cannot be conditioned by man, but it is eternal as you. And we stand today on holy ground as we're about to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. The symbols of our redemption and our freedom. That you have called us out of darkness and brought us into your glorious light. That we were once a people who sat in darkness. We were once a people who were lost. But because of your amazing grace and the blood that was shed upon the cross, we are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we take this communion not as shy, belittled, intimidated humans. But we take the blood as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we say that our Jesus is alive. And He rules. And He is over all things. And we bless you. And we praise your marvelous name. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you.
Today I found myself After searching all these years And the man that I saw He wasn't at all who I thought he'd be And I was lost when you found me here I was broken beyond repair And you came along Sing your song over me It feels like I'm born again It feels like I'm living For the very first time For the very first time Make a promise to me now Reassure my heart somehow That the love that I feel Is so much more real than anything I'm a feeling in my soul And I pray that I'm not wrong That the love I have now it is only the beginning It feels like I'm born again It feels like I'm living For the very first time For the very first time It feels like I'm breathing It feels like I'm moving Time. Wasn't looking for something that was more than what I had yesterday Then you came to me and you gave to me a life that I love That I've never known, that I've never felt before Feels like I'm born again Feels like I'm living for the very first time. Living for the first time. It feels like I'm breathing. Feels like I'm moving for the very first time. Living for the first time. It feels like I'm born again Feels like I'm living For the very first time For the very first time It feels like I'm breathing Feels like I'm moving For the very first time
Thank you for the encounter we have had and we will continue to have with you, Spirit of the living God. We are so in love with you that there is nothing that we would trade our birthright for. There's nothing that we would do willingly to quench and to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. As you breathe life within us, been raised to walk in newness of life as those bones in that dry valley in Ezekiel an army into the most high God that not you would be betrayed you with your disciples and your betrayer but yet you were so full of love that night as you took the bread you broke it and you said take eat for this is my body it's been prepared to be broken for your brokenness. It's been prepared to bring the pieces of your life back together. I give my body to be broken for your wholeness, your completeness, your satisfaction. I give my body for your peace. As he passed out, he said, take it, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread. The blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb. We exalt the power of the blood that ever lives, that speaks and sings over us. 
that imparts the benefits of salvation. You took the cup, you said this is the new covenant, the new pact, the new vow that I make with you out of my own blood. That whosoever shall confess me before man, will I confess before my Father. That if you will believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. This blood says you are saved. And this blood says that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And as he passed the cup, he said, drink all of it. In remembrance of me, let's partake of the cup. Hallelujah. Are you grateful that you are born again? Give the Lord praise. You're grateful that you are born again. Oh, hallelujah. Didn't they do a good job on that song? I told Jake I wanted that song this morning, and I appreciate that. All the worship team did such a lesson job. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you blessed? Hallelujah. Well, apology not accepted. There's a song right now. I'm sure the college age knows it by One Republic. It's too late to apologize. Y'all want me to sing it? No. It's too late to apologize, but it's never too late to repent. And I want to share with you something the Lord woke me up the other just a few days ago. And he says, I want you to look up the definition for the word apology. And I want you to teach on it. So I looked it up and that's what I'll be teaching on today. Because a lot of times what we call repentance, the definition says we're apologizing. And the reason we haven't had more of a breakthrough is because we apologize. But we haven't really true learned the depth of repentance. And I know many of you are thinking, oh, we have heard a message on repentance now for the last four weeks. Well, last week we heard one on marriage, and this week we're going back. Because we'll never have the peace that God promised us. And that's what we were learning in the fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And we've studied now love, joy, and, and I'm finishing up on peace. And the word peace there speaks of the highest good for mankind. Tranquility of heart and good conscience. How many of you know you can't, have a, you can't have peace of the Lord unless you have a good conscience? And one of the things I want to be sharing with you, because right now with Halloween and these movies and TVs just getting way out there, there's so much interest in the area of ghosts. I want to talk to you, as I've been teaching on Psalms 51, I've been talking about David and Bathsheba. It came to me this week. That David went a whole year in misery because he would see the ghost of Uriah. And I wonder how many of us do not have the peace that passes understanding. And we don't have the peace that we need because we're seeing ghosts of our past. We see the Christmas carol coming up. The Christmas, Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. And you see all these things that these ghosts come in to remind them of their past. And how many times... David looked in the eyes of Bathsheba, and he wasn't seeing Bathsheba. He was seeing Uriah. I wonder if David would have taped off the balcony where he was walking that day the first time he saw her and say, the memories there is just too painful. I can't ever walk there again. 
I wonder when every time he would see one of his servants or the general would come in for a meeting, he would look at the general. He wasn't seeing the general. He was seeing Uriah's ghost because the general knew we killed him as you commanded. Haman, good to see you. I wonder if he would see the father-in-law and the mother-in-law. The grandfather was one of the counselors for King David of Bathsheba. When David was on the rooftop and he called his servant, he says, I want you to go and I want you to find out who that woman was. The servant was only supposed to speak of the, uh, the, the uh, gene, 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 genealogy of Bathsheba. The servant was supposed to say, she is the granddaughter and the daughter of so-and-so. But the servant saw through David and he said, she is the wife of your servant Uriah the Hittite. They weren't supposed to say that, but he knew what was David's own heart because he knew David. Like the Holy Spirit knows us. That's just the reign of the Holy Spirit, so don't you worry about it. We cannot have perfect peace until we kill the ghost in our past. We deal with people that have sightings in their homes, doors shutting and opening and lights coming on and off and... Some people call it crazy, some people don't, but they talk about how they don't have any peace because at 2 or 3 in the morning, all of a sudden, some wild old ladies walk in the halls. How many of you know you're not going to have peace if you got ghosts in your house? If you do have ghosts, guess what? You don't have to have ghosts in your house. Mother-in-law's enough. <laughs> I'll stop right there. But it's time to kill the ghost of our past. Because until we do, we can't go forward. But I'm going to show you something about apology because we're good at apologizing because our parents taught us to. Every time me and my brother fought and we grew up fighting, 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 fighting. My mom and dad would make us apologize. But we'd be in a fight an hour later. Because it was just an apology, it wasn't a repentance, a change of heart, change of lifestyle, change of direction. And I'm going to show you some instances in the Bible, but I want you to see that if we're going to get to peace, which also means there, the end of a war, and it means the blood that binds us together with Jesus to where there's nothing, uh, there's nothing that can separate us. But I want you to see in Jeremiah chapter 15, it says in verse 6, 5 and 6, Who will feel sorry for you? Who will weep for you? Who will even bother to ask how you are? Verse 6 says, You have abandoned me and turned your back on me, says the Lord. Therefore, I will raise my fist to destroy you. I am tired of always giving you another chance. Another chance. You're here today and you've been coming for weeks now because you want, you desire as I do, that our lives be a living sacrifice unto the Lord. We, we are all here today as unperfect people. No one can judge. Nobody can point the finger at anyone. No matter how good we may be, we're all sinners saved by the mercy and the grace of God. But there are areas that he's asking us to go up to the next level. That he may reveal himself through a perfect, a pure, and a holy bride. And the thing put on my heart, I could preach all kind of things on peace, and peace is so important, we can't live without peace. But the thing about life is that if there is not a true, heartfelt, 
conviction and repentance and change, there will be no peace. No matter how many points we get on a message about peace, the Holy Spirit put on my heart, the way to perfect peace is living perfect before a holy God. And he says, I'm tired of giving you another, uh, other chances. And right here it says in the Hebrew, I will withdraw my peace and mourning will begin. And we wonder why is the, the feeling of guilt and mourning, why the absence of peace is because he's withdrawn his presence. And that's the thing we saw David is crying out for so much. Don't take your holy presence from me. In Psalms chapter 51 verse 1, David cries out, say that with me, have mercy upon me, O God. Now when I read that, I, want, I just want to encourage you about something. When you read in the New Testament, everybody, everyone who cried out for mercy to Jesus got it. Even the publican, when he was praying and beating his chest, he says, I'm an, oh, just a, a no good, unworthy sinner. The Lord says, he went to his house justified. Because he repented and he opened up and he shared his heart's condition. And he went to his house justified while the other went to his house condemned. But everyone who cried out, Jesus, our son of David, the son of God, Jesus, Messiah, have mercy upon me. And everyone who cried out for mercy, he got it. Aren't you thankful for that today? Amen. That everyone who cries out to Jesus, there was mercy. And he goes on to say, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. He's talking here about all that's recorded against him and the enemy that's against him. I have a few other scriptures I want to share. Exodus 32, 32. He says, yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out. God wanted to destroy all of Israel. And Moses says, blot me out of your book, which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Oh, y'all be patient. Here I go. I'm, I got to, you know, it's hunting season. My, fing my trigger finger. It's getting fast. I will blot him out of my book. If you take in notes, that word blot means to wipe off or to remove. That word blot means to destroy. It's the same word used that when God destroyed the world through a flood, there was nothing left but those that were saved in the ark. God will destroy the power of your transgressions. What I love in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 3, this is the definition the prophet gave. How many of you have ever eaten spaghetti on a white plate? It's pretty bad, huh? If you eaten anything like that, that word blot out means this. It means that God will take whatever is against you and he will wipe, the, this is in the Bible, he will wipe the plate clean. And this is what it says there in, uh, second, in uh, uh, what did I say, Kings? First Kings, First Kings 21, 13. After he wipes the plate clean, that's not enough. It says he will turn the plate over. He will not only, to blot out, doesn't only mean to wipe it clean. It means then to turn it over. Never to see even what and where it was wiped away before. Can someone praise the Lord for that? Look at this next verse. I got to take this out again because that's too good just for a moment. It says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will remember your sins no more. I, even I, will blot out your sins and iniquities. And I will remember them no more. Are you thankful for that today? 
It says in Psalms 32, 1 through 2, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy is for those whose record the Lord has cleared of all guilt, whose lives are lived, now look at this, complete honesty. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Look at this. Psalms 51, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. He's speaking here about an honest and a total, a full confession. Say it with me, a full confession. I've done this evil. And he's saying, don't hold on to one anger, at least you remember them. And you put me on the court, on the judge, on the stand. David assumed full responsibility. Write this down. Full confession makes you worthy of full forgiveness. A full confession makes you worthy. So many times people have trouble. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Wait a minute. He said... Complete honesty. A complete, heartfelt, total confession makes you totally worthy of total forgiveness. Confession cleanses us and renews us. Now we take communion today and I wanted to share this with you that we studied so many times. It says in 1 Corinthians 11, 27, 32. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body Guilty of sinning against the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. He says is worthy there about the blood. That means that the, the blood that's supposed to call you guiltless calls you guilty. That we are guilty against his blood. And he says in verse 28, examine your state of mind in the Greek. Examine your state of mind. Then it goes on to say, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup, Without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why so many, not everyone, but so many, are weak and sick, and some have even died. Verse 31. But if we examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned Along with the world. Aren't you thankful that God it does not sending sickness and disease to kill you? Amen. Things that we have to learn to follow his ground. To be guarded by his presence. I want you to see here in Matthew 3 verse 8. It says, therefore bear fruits worthy. Somebody shout out worthy. Worthy, worthy of repentance. The New Living says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turn to God. Now if you're taking notes that word meat... It means worthy and suitable. You know, when you go before God, we got to realize who we're going before. He is almighty. He is everlasting. He is the judge. He is the eternal God. And he says, when you go to repent, make sure that that repentance is something worthy for his ears to hear. Not an apology. And now I'll give you the definition of the word apology. It means regretfully acknowledging or excusing one's failure. Regretfully acknowledging 
or excusing a failure. That's apology. That's not repentance. Regretfully. Lord, I know I did that. I know I shouldn't have. You know, God, if you wouldn't have made Bathsheba so fine, I wouldn't have failed. It's your fault, God, for making her and putting her in front of me. That's an apology. But when David goes, I have sinned in my transgressions. Repentance is saying, I'm the guilty one. Apology is, there's a reason behind this and it's not me. There's something else. An apology is not repentance meet unto the Lord. It means a formal, the word apology means a formal defense or justification. There's a, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to argue why I fail. I'm going to argue why I sin. I'm going to argue, God, I know it's wrong, but, but I'm going to argue and I'm going to bring a defense. And it also means a theory. A theory. Lord, I, I have this theory that, you know, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's wrong, nothing wrong with me behaving like that. Uh, if it is wrong, I ask you to forgive me. But if it's not wrong, Lord, I just don't know if it is sin. That's an apology. Well, Lord, they're doing it. Reasoning. That's apology. Once again, looking at the heart of David. And we're going to look at some others who use the same words. But we're not where David was. And the, the theme about it is you're going to see is so many times we wonder, why is there so many sick? Not all sick. Why is there so much sickness? Why is there so much hurt? Why is there so much death? And I wonder if the reason may be there's so much apology, but not enough repentance. You know, I've been married 27 years. Let me tell you something. I have not made it 27 years by apologies. Because after a few years, apologies get old, and she goes, Don't even tell me you're sorry until you change. How many husbands can say, I understand? How many wives can understand? Come on, y'all can participate today, huh, sometime? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you tell me you're sorry. How many heard this? Man, yeah, you told me you're sorry, but you know you're going to do that again. Huh? There's no sense in even telling me you're sorry because I know you. You ever heard that? No, my wife don't talk like that. Y'all ever hear that, though? You know you're going to mess up again. A lot of times we've lived our life through apologies, but we haven't lived our life with a change of heart, change of direction, a turn from the opposite direction for where we were going. How many understand where I'm at? And what we do with people, we end up doing with God, and that is not repentance worthy that brings forth fruit. You hear, you hear what God put on my heart for us today, church? We've been li- getting by with apologies, and we're not getting by. Lord, I'm sorry, but you know, it's just, I'm weak in my flesh. Lord, I'm sorry, but the woman that you gave me, said Adam. And then what did Eve say? The snake you put in the garden. And none of that worked. And I wonder how many things in our life are not working because we live apologizing. Uh, We live regretfully acknowledging, excusing our failures, formal defenses, justification, reasoned arguments, theories. When before God, we ought to stand ashamed and we ought to say, Lord, it's me and I'm wrong and I did it and I sinned against you. Apologizing doesn't always mean that you're wrong and the other's right. Sometimes you just have to value the relationship more than personal ego. Relationship. Repentance means 
I respect the relationship. Apologizing is like whiteout. It covers up the mistake, but it never really goes away. Never ruin an apology with an excuse. Listen to this little story. The motor car was driven by a determined young woman who had knocked down a man without injuring him much. She did not try to get away. Instead, she stopped the car, descended to the solid earth, and faced him manfully. I'm sorry it happened, she said grudgingly, but it was all your fault. She hit the guy in the car, but it's all his fault. You have been walking carelessly. I am an experienced driver. I have been driving a car for seven years. Well, replied the victim, I'm not a novice myself. I've been walking for 57 years. If you're going to do something tonight that you'll be sorry for in the morning, sleep late. It is a good rule of life never to apologize. The right sort of people do not want apologies and the wrong sort of people take a means of advantage over them. So that's why the Lord put on my heart. How many of you know I think I'm hitting on the head? David said, I have sinned. I've done the wrong. I am the guilty one. I can only call out for mercy. And God says, that's what I'm wanting to hear. Stop justifying your behavior. Stop justifying your lifestyle. Stop justifying your sin. Stop comparing it to others. Stop worrying more about it. Stop judging your sin by what other people say against what I say about it. Stop apologizing and stop justifying and stop protecting yourself or what you might look for. Just be honest and just repent. I've sinned. I looked. You didn't put the woman in front of me. I looked at her. I chose to continue to look at her. It led me to kill her. I sinned. I done this wrong. And I can't judge it on my bloodline. I can't condemn it because of my dad or anyone else. I'm the one who's standing right here before you. I've sinned before you, God. I've sinned and I call upon your mercies. You blot out my sins. I'm guilty so I can only call to your mercy. Look at Psalms. 19 verse 12, how can I know all these sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults, these secret sins. Lord, I've confessed all that I know about, but I know there's more that I don't know about. How many of you know there's more that we don't know about that's in our heart? I know there is in mine. I know there are things, as David was saying here, there's things hiding that I don't know about, but you know about it, Lord. So cleanse me even from the things I don't know about. Cleanse me from secret faults. They are the root of my misery and they are the root of my lack of peace. You know, a while back, where's Sister Luella? I was hoping she would sit on the front row. Oh. <laughs> How many of you have ever had rats in your house or I'm the only one? Oh, four people had rats or mice in their house. Okay, okay. All right, we're dirty. We confess. We had this rat in our garage trying to go up the wall a few weeks ago so I put two mouse traps and a lot of poison and I came out one day took about it took about two or three days but I finally caught it but how many you know those mouses now I was going to do it all right but I did, I'm on the internet and I don't want to lose a finger on the internet so I thought you know what I'm gonna do it safely so it's already done but this mouse for days would come around and try to nibble around it our cats brought a mouse to the back door. They love to show their trophies, and our cats brought a mouse to the back door. And when I opened the door, the mouse ran in the house and hid behind the entertainment center, and we couldn't get it. 
So there's three entryways and two, three exit ways. So I went and bought some of that sticky stuff, those, those things you buy that they could get stuck on. So I put three sticky things out, and I put three traps out. And when the mouse ran out, it got stuck, jumped up, and got in the trap. So I killed it two times twice. <laughs> he got stuck in the first trap, and he got his head caught in the second trap. That's the way to do it. But see, that's how we are with apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. And what happens one day? Now, I want to share something with you, and this, 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 this will bring it more down to home. How many of you saw on the news when that young guy got those, those two trains wrecked not long ago? What, were the, what was the conductor, the driver doing? What was he doing? Let me ask you this. Was it the first time that he was texting? It was the time he got caught. On the way to church today. How many know we had that horrible accident and we've been praying for the family this week. People got killed on the interstate. But on Highway 28, when my family and my car come into church today, there's this teenage girl driving on Highway 28 East. And what she's doing? She's texting. Is that against the law? Yes, it is. She's still doing it. Why? She hasn't got caught. The, guy, the guys driving that train had been texting. But when they got caught, it was too late. I'm sure if you have any close calls, oh, I'm sorry. They get over in my lane. Oh, I'm sorry. It's apologizing. But if we continue to practice apologizing, one day something's going to happen. And this is a warning today that I felt from the Holy Spirit I had to share with all of us here today is that we don't want to live our life getting away with things by just apologizing. We want to repent. We want to get rid of it. We want Him to cleanse us. We want Him to give us the grace to get out of it. And I don't want to give an excuse. I am like I am. I was a victim. Well, we all were victims of the devil. And I know you were a victim in different ways. And I know you were raised wrong. And I know different things might have happened. And we all have different stories. But the thing about it is, as we sang it today, I have been born again. The old have passed away and the new has come. And God will give you the grace to live out of the new. This is not a message to condemn you, but a message to help you. He was guilty the first time he texted, but he didn't get caught until it cost lives. David was guilty until it cost lives do I measure my sin by what others say of it or do I measure by what God says about it God wants to lead us into peace but you know what when we allow things to be uncontrolled how many of you heard about that guy who put those helium balloons on his lawn chair in California you heard about him got on that lawn chair had those helium balloons got his BB gun sat in the chair and he took off Gonna, he wanted to fly in his chair. Got his cup of tea, his BB gun, and his lawn chair. You might be a redneck. <laughs> anyway, he was in his lawn chair with all these balloons. And guess what happened? He couldn't control the height or where he could go. The wind took him. And where did the wind take him? To the sea. And they had to get the Coast Guard and everybody else because he got, he got so high up, he was too scared to start shooting the balloons because the plan was to shoot the balloon to start coming down. But before he knew it, he was too high. So he had to just let the wind carry him wherever. Are you getting this? He had to just let the wind carry him 
You just had to let the sex carry him. Just got to let the drugs carry him. Just got to let the friends carry him. Oh, I'll be able to control that. You get too high up. You get too far away. And then you get to a place where only God, and thank God, God will save you. He will protect you. He will help you. I want to show you something here. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses, safe, confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. The word confess there in the Hebrew means recognition and declaration to the fact. Right now, we want everybody to live according to the declaration of independence. You need to live by the declaration. But we're unwilling to live to the declaration, I am guilty of lusting. I am guilty of stealing. I am guilty of gossiping. I'm guilty of judging. I'm guilty of eating that whole pie. I'm guilty of all the... I am guilty. Not justification, not making excuse. I am guilty. And that word confess means recognize and declare the fact. Don't try to hide it. Because confession is what cleanses us. How many of you see, and I keep talking a lot about the news, how many see these guys who get caught? What do they do? They put their jackets over their head. They got caught. Well, this is how we come to God. Naked, as he hung upon the cross, said, God, I sinned, and it was me. I know, you, I know I sinned against your word, and I, knew, I know I sinned against heaven, and I know I sinned against you. I am guilty. I want to show you a few things because it's getting late, so i got to go through these. Let me just show you a few who prayed the same prayer David did, but with a different heart. Exodus 9.27, and Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, what did he say? I have sinned. Same words, different heart behind the words. Pharaoh's apologizing. I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Sounds pretty good, don't it? Look. So Moses went out to the city and Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain was not poured on the earth. Verse 33. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more. And he hardened his heart. He and his servants write this down. Repentance born in the storm dies in the calm. Pharaoh represents the hard-hearted repenter. The plane's on fire. Oh God, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. The plane lands. First one at the bar. We're getting ready to lay off people. Oh God, forgive me. I gotta pay my bills. Lord, don't Lord, Lord, forgive me all my sins. You're not being laid off. 12-pack on the way home. A little bit of meth in the neighborhood. Repentance in the storm dies in the calm. Pharaoh was apologetic because everything was being destroyed. All of his future. But he truly didn't turn his heart and repent. Pharaoh, the hardened sinner. The confession of his lips but not his heart. When things are going, sickness, outbreaks, people, churches fill up. But then when it calms down and everything's fixed, the church starts getting emptier. Let me show you this one. This is church. Numbers twenty-two, thirty-four, and Balaam. 
Do you know Balaam even prophesied about the Lord Jesus Christ? He shall come who I shall not see, but yet he shall come. He was prophesying about Jesus. He was a true man of God. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, the angel stopped his mule. The mule talked to him. Said, you stupid thing, why are you hitting me? And all of a sudden, Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, saw the angel with the sword. The, the mule saw the angel. The fool didn't. And he said, I have sinned. There it is again. I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Balaam represents the double-minded repenter. I want to serve the Lord, but I want to live in the world too. I want to please God, but I want to please me too. I want to prophesy the word of God, but I want the money he's offering me to prophesy against God's people. That's the double-minded repenter. He's in, he, I have sinned, yet he went on his way. He wants to live both lives. If I'm living a double life, I'm apologizing and not repenting. Therefore, I lack peace. Balaam wanted both lives. He had 20 different purposes, but Jesus said, Church, you can have 20 purposes to live, but you can only have one master. Balaam says, Jehovah's my master. Uh-uh. You're continuing to go and get the money and do what you're told not to do. No, money's your master. God's not your master, and you can only have one master. No, I can handle that and serve God. No, you can't. You only have one master. And then let's see what master will save you when you get down. There's nothing left. The next one. For Samuel 15, 24, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. There it is again, the same words. Sounds good. I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord in your words, because I have feared the people and obeyed their voice. Saul is the insincere man. He was lying. Saul didn't fear nobody. Saul wanted the best for his life. The insincere man, listen, Saul says, I feared the word of the Lord. Saul, in the same place, consulted a prophet and consulted a witch at the same time. He didn't care who was going to give him the answer. He just wanted the answer that would please him. Teachers with itching ears. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Because if the prophet can't do it, the witch can. If the pastor can't, my friend can. If this one can't, this one can. And it's the insincere repenter. He repented, but he didn't mean it. It was an excuse. It was a lie. One day he was calling David, my son, you're righteous. The next day he was hunting him down to kill him. The prophets wouldn't give him what he wanted, so he killed the prophets. He lacked character and he returned to what he was before. This one always will be a dog returning to its vomit. Joshua 7, 19 through 20, you know the story of Achan. Listen to how gentle Joshua was. Look what he says. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. And make confession to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Make confession. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, I indeed, I, ha I have sinned. There it is again. I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I've done. And he goes on to tell what, what he did. He, was he wasn't ready to surrender. This is the type of person that on their deathbed, they will not repent. Listen to this. Achan here. We'll go to this one in just a minute. Achan here. They say, according to the commentaries, 
He, re he repented, but what he sold his soul for had already taken control. Listen to this. A physician kept a record of a thousand people who were dying, and they repented on their deathbed. Three turned out well afterward. The other 997 went back into sin and was worse sinners than before. He took a study on a thousand people who were dying, but they didn't die. Three out of the thousand kept their heart of repentance. 997 was worse sinners than before. I have met people who have been brought back to life again, resurrected from the dead. And you know what? They ended up being worse sinners than before they had died. Because it's an apology, and it's not sincere, and he says, honestly. Matthew 27, 3, oh, one of the saddest ones, when Judas, who had betrayed him, realized Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. What did he say, verse 4? I have sinned. There it is again. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hung himself. This is apology. These are people that on their deathbed, they say, there's no hope for me. I've defied him and God will not help me. This is called a condemned conscience. But Jesus wants to set you free today. You don't have to go and hang yourself in worse sins and at a future with no hope. A condemned conscience. This is what happened to Esau. The Bible says he sold his birthright. And this is what the Bible says. He sought it afterwards to recuperate it with tears and could not. He sought to, to the birthright and the presence. I seek carefully with tears and I cannot find it again. And these are the ones that cried out in their pain. I'm dying and I'm going to hell. But thank God we can turn it around. Job. Verse 20 says, I have sinned, and God heard that prayer. Aren't you thankful there's hope for the sincere person? Job was a righteous man. Everybody judged him as a sinner, but he was a righteous man at heart. He wasn't perfect, but he was righteous. And even when his wife was saying, curse God and die, he says, I'm not going there. I'll die, but I will not curse my God. He was a righteous man, and he repented. He was a saint, but was a sinner. But his heart Wanted to serve his God. That's where you and I can have help. Hope. Amen. Now let me finish with this story. I know you know this story. To illustrate the point further. I love the way it's said in the New Living here. To illustrate the point further. And I'll end here. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father. I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the young son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He, he persuaded a local farmer to hide him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. I'll stop before continuing there. Let me bring it down to earth. This young man, I want all my goods. He was raised wearing American Eagle and Amber Cumbria and Finch all of his life. He had all the games. He had the TV in his room. He had everything he always wanted. 
life was good at home. But there's too many restrictions here. I don't want to live this lifestyle. I don't want to be submitted to this type of lifestyle. Even though my dad's been good to me, even though my mom's been a loving mom, I want to try the world out. And I want everything that belongs to me right now. And he went to a distant land. But guess what? All the friends he made through his money, all the friends he made because of his nice car and all of his nice fun stuff, when he was hungry, when he was thirsty, his friend says, get out of here. He had to get a job. And that word talking about he had, a, he had to work in the fields among pigs, you know what happened? He ended up having a job that nobody else wanted. It was a cursed job. And then when he, he wanted to even eat the food that he was feeding the pigs, and then when he wanted something, it says they, the owner still gave him nothing. But it says in verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hard servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against you, both heaven and you. I, what did he say? I have sinned. I have sinned. You spoiled me. You shouldn't have gave me my inheritance. You knew what I was going to do. He says, oh no, I have sinned against you and heaven. And it says, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hard servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Coming and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. You see, it wasn't only David who walked on the rooftop. It was this dad because that's where they would go to pray. And every day, daddy would get on the roof. God, I know my son, I know my daughter, I know my wife, I know my husband's doing some things they shouldn't be doing. I know my brother and sister confide in me and they're doing some things they shouldn't be doing. But God, I come before you every day. And Lord, I'm not looking for them to go to hell I'm looking out in the distance in the horizon because I see him coming back in the name of Jesus. And it's not about my pride and it's not about my desire, but God, I claim my child, I claim my husband, I claim my wife, I claim my loved one for the glory of Jesus Christ. And you see the son, he, he, he begged and he hitchhiked home. He didn't have anything. He says, I'm going to go home. And he hitchhiked home and he begged and he walked down the road and his feet was bleeding and he was dirty and he was starving and he was scrunched over and he didn't have American Eagle anymore. He had rags on and he didn't have what he used to have. He didn't have his pride. He didn't have his self-sufficiency. And he was coming back home and he stopped off for a distance and he saw the tree where him and his brother used to play. And he remembered the good times, the innocent times. He saw the tree, or in other words, it's when we see the cross. I remember when I got saved and I loved the Lord and I was in church and I was serving Him and I remembered the feeling and the emotion I could feel that I never feel now with nothing that I do and nobody who I'm with. And he saw the tree and he was standing there and they get to a point when the prodigal comes home and you may be here today where you know you can't go backwards but you know you can't go forwards either and you're standing there. How can I go forwards? They're not going to receive me. Daddy might be dead by now. They might just slam the door in my face and then where am I going to go? And he couldn't go forward. He couldn't go backwards. You may be somewhere in your life today. You're stuck. I can't go backwards and I can't go forwards. I'm stuck. 
I want to get out of this, and I can't get out of this. I want to feel what I used to feel, but I know what I'm feeling now. It's killing me. You can't go forward and you can't go backwards. How can I go back to church? In my hometown, everybody knows me. Everybody knows what I've done. Everybody knows what I'm doing. What am I going to do? And while you're stuck in the middle of I can't go forwards, you can't go backwards. <laughs> the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus is walking on the rooftop of heaven. And it says that he's interceding. Not according to how good we are. But he's interceding and he's crying out, bring my son home. Angels prepare, protect him and keep him until he comes back. And our Jesus, who didn't only die for us, which was more than enough, our Jesus continually prays and intercedes. And as we're on the rooftop, as that daddy was on the rooftop, and he was calling back his son, and he was interceding back his son, the son couldn't see the father, but it says the father could see the son. You may not be able to see God today. You may not be able to see any way of getting out of whatever you're in. You may not be able to see it, but God sure sees it. And he has made a way for you to get out of whatever you're stuck in. <coughs> He's made a way for you. He's made a way for you. And I know that you might be like, I've tried that way before and I keep going backwards. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. Even though a righteous man may fall seven times, he'll get back up. He'll say, even though you've sinned against me and divorced me, I will never send you away. I will never turn my back on you. And the Bible says that the father saw him a long way off, even though the son couldn't see him. Everyone else had laughed. Everyone... Else it gave up on him, but the father runs with all of his might to put his arm around his son. And his son starts, Father, I have sinned. Shh. Don't mention the word servant, you're my son. Bring the best robe. Bring the ring. Put some shoes on those bleeding feet. You're not the servant. And I wrote in my notes, you know what I felt the Lord told me that day? That preachers and ministers are the servants to put the robe and put the ring and to put the shoes. We're not in any glorified place. We're the ones to say, come on, my brother, my sister, welcome home. And he says, come on, it's time, in the living, it says, it's time to party now. Bring the fattened calf. Everything that he needs, I want you to bring it back home. And I love what Matthew Henry wrote. He said, his father saw him, eyes of mercy. He ran to meet him, legs of mercy. He put his arms around his neck, arms of mercy. He kissed him with kisses of mercy. And he said to him, these words, words of mercy. Bring the best robe. Deeds of mercy. Wonders of mercy. God of mercy. Bring him. Many today you've been running a long time. I have felt the Father's heart for days that he wants to speak to somebody here. And you may be here today and you might have been running and you might be running. You know... There's no one that was blacker than the prodigal. And yet he was received. You're not so far gone that he cannot take you. Because he says, I will in no way 
cast you out. I told you David said, blot out my sins. This is what he's saying. Not only the words written against me, but erase even the lines that the word's on. Because according to the book, it means that God keeps a diary of our sins and our wrongs. And, and David was saying, take the diary and go from the very beginning. And don't only erase what you wrote down, but erase the lines they were written on. So that when you look at me, this is what you see. White as snow. You may be here today. And, and you may, you, Jake, you may be running. And you may be saying it. I'm like that rat in that trap. I'm caught. And I can't get out. You may be at that place where that prodigal was. I don't know if I can go forward. And I, I, I know I don't want to go backwards. Because you know the times are late. So I ask you to stand if you please would. And would you bow your head and close your eyes. And if you just please, just for a moment. A moment more of reverence. In a moment like this with the thing that Father put on my heart, don't worry about time. Don't worry about what time it is. Don't be in a hurry to leave. Because <laughs> the Father, he, he wants to talk to somebody today. There's some prodigal. Somebody who's caught, somebody who's lost that he wants to speak to. And the Father imparted this message to give to you. And saints, you and I, we've been guilty of apologizing and not repenting. We point our finger at Pharaoh when we have done the same thing. Or we despise Judas. Or Balaam. Or Achan. But we've done the same thing. This is a twofold morning to repent at the altar. To repent for people talk about casual sex but the truth is we've been guilty of casual repentance with our bridegroom we have not confessed it openly turned to him been honest with him I'm going to open the altar you may at your seat just right there at your seat like David said, search me, know me, O Lord. And if there be any wicked way in me, lead me out of it. But if you're here today and you say, boy, I identify with that prodigal. I can't go backwards, but I can't go forwards, and I feel stuck. I feel like I have no life within me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand today saying, I need to get my life back with God. Anyone at all, God bless you, sir. Please raise your hand and just leave it up. God bless you in the back. God bless you. Anyone else, don't be ashamed. Raise your hand high. It's time to get it right because God, you know he was speaking to you today. Anyone today, God bless you, sis. God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else? Anyone else? I've got to get my life right with God. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on, you don't want to stay there anymore. You don't want to stay in the pig pen anymore. You don't want to be away from the Father anymore because He is sure not running away from you. He's not hiding from you. He loves you with an everlasting love. If that's you this morning, raise your hand. Anyone at all. Maybe you've known Him, but you've gone away from Him. 
and you need to know forgiveness of sins, if that's you, raise your hand. Get your life right with him today. He will have forgiveness, mercy. He will abundantly forgive. Anyone today? Precious Jesus. As an act of faith, Christians, your eyes bowed, a head closed. Those who raised their hands, would you come as the prodigal made his way? Would you come to the front? And would you come and get it right with your heavenly father today? The truth is, all of us need to get it right with God today. Come and just come and stand. Come and meet us here at the altar to renew our relationship and give our life over to Jesus. Come today, come today. Would you come? Those who raise their hands, would you come? Those who need to repent for casual repentance, not living in honest, for not truly repenting. If you want to come to the altar, if you want to do it at your chair, do it at your chair. But church, he says, if my people will humble themselves, repent, then he will hear from heaven. What we need in America now more than ever is honesty. We're demanding it of the White House. God has always demanded it first in the house of God. Judgment begins in the house of God. And before we expect honesty from those people, God's expecting honesty from you and I. Just right now, if there's anything in your life, you just sacrifice it on the altar. Have mercy upon me, O God. I have sinned against you and you only have I done this wickedness and these transgressions. I stand here as the guilty one. I am the wrong. I have allowed myself to wonder. I've been busy as Balaam looking out for my wellness and wholeness more than what's pleasing unto you, O oh God. I lived a life more in doubt, which displeases you, than in faith, which pleases you. Lord, whatever area of my life, my mind, my words, my meditation is not pleasing to you, Lord, as a body today, we come before you and we repent. We repent. Not apologize, but we repent and turn from any wicked way and you will hear from heaven <laughs> and you will abundantly pardon would you just receive that today church just receive it from the father he sees you afar off but he loves you and he's running to you with legs of mercy Arms of mercy and words of mercy. He's got a covering for you. <laughs> David says, my transgressions, which means sin that has been so stepped in. The cloth is so tampered and so dark 
with the stain of sin. It's got so much dirt embedded in it that it's going to take the rocks and the water to get the embedded dirt out of it. Jesus is the rock. And the washing of the water over the word is able to get the stains out of our lives. So, Father, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We repent today before you, O holy God. Holy God. You said, be holy for you are holy. And you said to be perfect for you are perfect. Lord, I repent. For the ways that are not pleasing to you in my life. I humble myself. I'm just a servant. I'm not here to be exalted. Only you are worthy of exaltation. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all glory, Jesus. And I praise your holy name and I exalt you, my Savior. I love you, Jesus. And my heart glorifies in you. My heart glorifies in you, Jesus. You are the Christ. You are the Lord. You are our shepherd. Break us of all pride and all stubbornness and all forms of religion and tradition. That we may learn to be honest and transparent before you, O Holy Father. You're worthy of all the praise and glory. Come into this place, Holy Spirit, and revive us. Revive us. A personal revival in every life and every home. As we exalt you, King Jesus, we praise and glorify your holy name. Purify me, Lord. Make me as gold. Purify me, O Lord. Tried and true. In the precious name of Jesus. Now, I'll share this with you and I'll end. I'm, I know I went late, but I want to encourage you. If there's some things in your life and you're going, I don't know how to pray, Pastor. That's why the Holy Spirit had David write Psalms 51. If you're battling something in your life, just read Psalms 51 if you have to three times a day. If you say, I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to get a breakthrough, I keep following the same way. Read Psalms 51 every day because it was written for you. The whole Word of God was written for you. And when you say, so many people say, I don't know what to read, I don't know what book to get, get the Psalms. And read about a man who was willing, even though he had it all, to humble himself and cry out for mercy to a loving God and let God do a perfect work. And even though he failed, he was still called a man after God's own heart. In church, at Word of Grace, we're going to be called men and women with the heart of God. We're going to be men and women with a heart after God. I want the heart of God. 
And besides who I am at times and besides of what I am, I'm still going to have the heart of God. And I'm going to run hard after my Lord. And you are too. And church, you are going to make it. Now I know many did not respond to the altar call and you should have. But that's okay. I believe right there where you stood. Because I know the Lord told me I had to preach this today. And I know right there where you stood, I believe God spoke to you. And I believe the Holy Spirit will continue to speak to you. And I believe that if there's some areas you come to your senses. And you cry out to a loving, merciful God who's looking for you and sees you. And takes you and restores you to where you're going to be. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I love you, church. Such an honor to be here with you. So we gather around the precious word and the spirit of the living Christ. Yes, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So that I shall put my name upon my children. And I will dwell there among them. I'll bless you with this priestly blessing. In the name of Jesus.